Positive, he's a lifestyle, and I've been manifesting everything I write down. Positivity's a lifestyle, and I've been manifesting everything I write down. Cause I've been working on my draft till I craft is that rendition of my task. Oh, yeah, with a blast. I'm living, you ain't even gotta ask. Hit the dash, I'm living, I'll be working on my draft. Strength Within Podcast, it's Eric with an A. We are just off. I almost said off camera. Off, <laughs> off camera, yeah. God's watching us. Um, off recording, talking about all the good stuff that we're going to talk about, the law of attraction and this and that, but what's so funny, and next to me, as we're sitting here relaxing on the couch, is Spud. Uh, mm-hmm. We're interviewing a dog this morning. No, I'm just kidding. We have Michelle, a sister. She's family. She's a great friend and just a blessing, and it's uh, it's a privilege and an honor, and I'm excited to talk, and exactly what this podcast I started it for was to share stories, talk about our minds, talk about our lives, because we have so much in common with everybody next to us that we don't even realize it, you know, and I think that through the power of, you know, just talking and knowledge and learning, like, we can change people's lives, like, I really believe that, and that's you know, my mission is to continue to grow and, and learn through people. Um, but you can attest to this training me, you, Angie, Rhonda. I said, I want to start a podcast right. where we're just sitting. All of us, we're chilling. We're having some white claws. We're relaxing. <laughs> and, and we're just hanging out. And that was what, like two years ago? At least. And I th- yeah. I think I started this podcast... I don't know if it was March or April of last year, but... So it's definitely been two years. Flash forward, here we are, (laughs) chilling, we're having a conversation, and we're not drinking White Claws, but we do have a mimosa. Yes. We're celebrating, and we're celebrating life, so... Michelle, thank you. I I, I appreciate you, and uh, I know everybody, anybody who's going to listen is going to pick up a lot of gems um, from this, so good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Now, this is Michelle's first uh, recorded ever anything besides dance. Yes. <laughs> besides dance. Besides night. dance, besides group fitness. Absolutely. Yep. So, so now we're using the power of words. Nobody can see us. It's just, we're just going to have a conversation and we're just going to talk about life. Yeah. And that's it. Um, yeah. So the law of attraction. Here we are. And it's mind blowing to me because I'm like, wow, like I, I believe that. We have everything and anything we want. Time just hasn't caught up. Yeah. And so this is time catching up. Yeah. So it's like I, I use this like in my head. I imagine like, oh, this is what my life is going to be like. And I set my cast out there like I'm fishing and I'm just pulling myself to it. Sometimes it's faster <laughs> than, you know, you can anticipate. And sometimes it's slower, but that's how time works. Um, so what we're going to what we're going to talk about is. There's lots of things. I had lots of notes because this conversation stemmed from yesterday. Correct. So, and we haven't really, I feel like, really talked uh, months, you know, when you really think about it. Like, like genuinely had good heart-to-heart conversation and then let alone I didn't see you for about a couple, oh, a couple weeks. Two Maybe weeks. Yeah, about almost two weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> so, it felt good to just have a conversation and I hope you felt the same way. Like I felt like, I felt like I was talking to you, 
and to be completely honest, like before we mentioned yesterday, like I didn't feel like I was talking to you. Well, I was here, but physically, but mentally I was just everywhere. And now I feel centered. Centered. So that's like what I want to talk about. And I put it in big letters. It says, mm -hmm. um, being centered, like being present. Mm -hmm. Um, and you hit that nail right on the head, like being centered. And I think everybody can learn something from being centered. And so could you just elaborate on what you mean by here's Michelle, Michelle's back. Everybody say hi. Now she's centered. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that? Absolutely. So you hear this phrase about balancing life between work, family, friends. But really, if you think about balance, I say this story. Think about a circus and the clown or the tightrope walker. When they are doing this balancing act, what really are they showing on their face? Stress. Like, oh my God, let's not fall. Let's not go fall backwards. Let's not, let's not fall forward. Let's try to find our balance. So to me, that's a stressor to find balance. But when you're centered, you're able to adapt when change is uncontrolled, thrown at you. Mm -hmm. You're able to really look back and be like, okay, what can I do? I can't get flustered about it. It's out of my control. I need to find my ground. I need to be grounded before I could go and do something new. When you're trying to balance everything, it's it could get chaotic. It can get scary because you don't want to fall. You know, think about someone when you're, let's say, doing an exercise on one leg, someone who doesn't have a good center, a pull of gravity, they're constantly in the back of their mind saying, oh my God, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. But when you are centered and you are grounded and you feel the, the floor beneath your feet, deep into your core and into mm. your heart, you're just, okay. It just, my hair, like, gives me chills. You see these goosebumps? <laughs> it, a blind man could read me right now. It's just, it's just a, I feel, a better <clears throat> way to look at life. I think that's, to me, like, when, when I say this, this is my interpretation. It was mind-blowing when you brought that up yesterday because... That's what I was trying to get to. Like when I'm talking to myself internally, like it's balance. Mm -hmm. but I, or not balance, is being centered mm -hmm. and having a strong core. Mm -hmm. And we'll touch on that later too. But was like, yeah, when you're trying, when, you, when, when you're constantly like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall because you're trying to balance. balance what happens nine out of ten times? You <laughs> fall. fall. You fall. Yeah. Like because you're putting that out into the world. Yeah. Although you think you're doing it in a good way, or I think I would be doing it in a good way, like I'm trying to balance, you know, a new business and, right. and a relationship and, and family and, and, the, and the kids and, and a home and just having a house and my exercise and all these things going on. And I'm trying to, quotations for those people that, you know, are listening, balance. And not that I was saying don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, but... I can see that when you, when you look at it, like it's stressful. It's very stressful. Because then you think like if you, let's just say as you as a person, if you're not centered with yourself, things around you aren't going to be mm. centered. So if you're trying to fight a balance, try to, as soon as you fall, then what happens? It's like a snowball effect. Then everything else is going to seem like it's going to crumble as well. But as long as you are your base, you can grow and just go up from there. I love that. It's like a triangle, right? Mm -hmm. 
Like your base has to be strong. Yep. I know I get it from um, Eric Thomas. He says your foundation needs to be so strong. He goes, you can't build a house out of sand. Mm-hmm. Hi, Fen Fen. Hi, Fen. What are you going to tell me? You need to go to the bathroom. You could go. This is real life right this here. This is real life. Yeah, watch that. Hold that thought. Okay, let's go. All right, we're getting back. That was a it was a commercial break, Spud. <laughs> commercial break brought to you by Spud. Um, we were talking about balance, and the last thing that I was saying was that from Eric Thomas, he goes, "You can't build a house on sand Correct. because that's your base. Right. Like you can have the biggest skyscraper that's just amazing. It's a billion dollar building, but it's built on sand. Like it's gonna fall. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna crumble. Yeah. And so like your foundation's got to be solid. So." Yeah, so that's why it's better to be centered rather than find a balance. Because you think about it, you go, you could, you could plan out your your week or your day. Okay, I work nine to five. My children go to school from you know eight to three. But life is constantly changing, and you could get a phone call from your from the school. Your daughter is not feeling well, or you know you get a flat tire on your way to work. If you're not centered, you can't adapt to these quick changes, these uncontrollable changes. And you think like a balance around a teeter-totter is constantly like up and down, up and down. And that's unsettling. You want to just feel grounded. And And I think there's a lot of strategies, and we don't have to dive into that, but there's so many strategies that people can use that work for them to get them back to. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I've had to develop for myself was like, okay... Yes, I'm having these thoughts. We all do. Oh, yeah. We have thousands upon thousands of them, and some are positive and some are negative, but at the end of the day, they're just thoughts. Yep. And I've learned, like, what I have to do is when I'm having negative thoughts, my center that I found is realizing that I'm thinking mm-hmm. and becoming aware. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm having thought. Right. And soon as I do that, I go, huh. And then I really step back. So it's like observing these thoughts, like the stock market ticker at the bottom of the screen right. just going by. Yeah. And I go, oh, wow. And then from there, can I assess what it is I'm thinking about? Why am I thinking about that? Or why is it making me feel a certain way? And then I have the choice to believe it. Hmm. Yes or no? Yeah. Does this align with what I want? out of life or what I'm going for or what I'm committed to. So that's like a piece of me that's that's centered. Like I know, okay, I'm going to have negative thoughts. That's okay. Sure. But when I do, I know now through practice to center myself by saying, oh, I'm thinking. As simple as that. Mm -hmm. Because we all do it. Yeah. And that kind of goes into like this next thing is about your core beliefs is those are just thoughts. They really, it starts with thoughts. It's what you, what we're taught, the opinions of others. Um, and a lot of times those core beliefs that of the opinions of others start to become you or you, that's what you gravitate you allow to. Them. Yeah. You allow them to. And you don't know how to change it. In the, let's just say in the beginning, you don't know how to change it. And for someone like yourself who can just change your the thought process to like, I'm better. I'm going to go for greatness, and but if you don't believe it in yourself, how are you going to get there? And that's where a lot of the core beliefs come from. Um, 
So I want to I want to I want to put a pause on yeah. that, and just for the people that are listening. So we're here now. If we could go back and just give like an insight on as to why we were even talking about this in the first place, and you can go as deep as you want. I mean, that's completely on you. Um, but let's just like reverse engineer everything and catch one. Not only us, I feel like it'll be a good conversation, but anybody that's listening up to speed as to why we're even talking about being centered in the first place and. Were we not centered? Were we off balance? Why were we off balance? Mm-hmm. Like, what got us here? And because I know, knowing you, like, your train of thought has made a switch. So how did you go? What were you thinking before? What led you to this moment? And yeah. we can go from there. I mean... Um, and I am very open. Um, someone once told me just yesterday uh, that... When I said I am very open to telling my story, my journey, um, and be raw, be as raw as I can be, is I have true acceptance of myself. I think that was Hillary. Give her yeah. credit. Give, give her the credit. It was Hillary. Give, give her the credit. Hillary. <laughs> and, uh, and it's true. And it really does come where I, this is who I am. And I am not for everyone and people, not everyone is for me and that's okay. Um. But my journey, I guess you can call it, or it started very, very young. Um, I grew up in chaos. So let's just say, call that my addiction. That's my addiction was chaos, was stress, because that's all I knew. Um, From what I've learned is patterns in life. From zero to eight to ten years old, I literally was in a family that was constant battleground of yelling and abuse and just there was no guidance as a child and at a young age our brains are sponges so what we see is what we learn again core beliefs so I learned at a very young age this is normal normal. this is normal parents are supposed to yell in front of their kids Parents are supposed to degrade the other parent to their kid. Didn't matter, you know, the age or anything. And and I want people to know because I use, I mean, even for me an experience, like as a kid, like seeing this, seeing, you know, the opposite sex. So your father treating your mother a certain way and or vice versa. Like we, as those sponges absorb that and we think like that's how it's supposed to Mm -hmm. be that's how we're supposed to treat Mm -hmm. the opposite sex or these people right Mm -hmm. and i can relate to that and i mean we don't have to talk about that right this second but that's what's huge is like then because that's your truth that's your home like when you're home that's supposed to be your your safe safe place Yeah. yeah that's supposed to be your safe place so my safe place was chaos and i didn't know any better you know and then between the ages of 8 to 10, my parents finally, my, my father was the one that said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I was the one that found a Dear John letter mm. from my dad to my mom. At, I, I don't know the exact age. That's why I say between 8 and 10. And it was, he literally dropped her off at a hospital for a, a surgery and left. Wow. And here I come home and I open this letter and it says... I'm leaving. And I just folded back up. And even to this day, my parents don't know I found that. And yeah. And so 
what is a kid to know? I, I, that was normal. But then I start, now looking back, I see a pattern. So then my grades started to slip, little by little. And I remember teachers asking me if everything was okay. Now I came, I went to a Catholic school. Divorce was not okay in the Catholic world. Mm -hmm. um, everyone that was in my classroom, they had normal families, meaning their parents were still together. So I had to keep that to myself. Mm -hmm. At a young age. That's deep. That's, like, that's I didn't want to, to be different. I didn't want to seem off. And this is where now perfectionism comes in to play. Because my world was so chaotic. In order to hide that from everyone else, I had to tell myself I had to be perfect. You had to balance. Mm -hmm. I had to be quote unquote normal like everyone else. Because my parents were constant chaos in our family. So did you feel, and maybe now when you're reflecting on it, like did you feel like you had to be the opposite of that? Of being opposite. Of, be, of them, of what you've seen. Oh, absolutely. I had to be, I felt like I had to be put together. That's why that whole perfect, I am, I have to be perfect. Even though we all know perfect. I think a lot of people can relate to that Perfection too. Perfection doesn't exist. Yeah, I think you know, you're chasing something that's never going to happen. Exactly. And that's why I try and teach, Corey and I teach our kids, you know, practice makes progress rather than practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. Because perfectionism doesn't exist. And so now we're going into a little later, the next, let's say the next 11 to 20 years of age. age. Yep, yep. age. Well, grade start, I went from all A's to A's and B's. And then when I got into high school, now I'm into the C's. And let's real quick recap. I've been a dancer my whole life. What do dancers do? We're in a mirror. We're in leotard and tights. I want to. I want to flag that. I'm sorry. I want to. I want to flag that because I want. Knowing what you told me yesterday is how'd you get into dance? I feel like that's key oh, that information key. Yes. for people. Yes. Um. Well, my mom got me into dance at the age of two. I started competing at the age of five. And, you know, at that young age, it's something fun. It's great. Um, later on in life, and I'm saying later just in that next age bracket, the 12 to 20, I know it wasn't what I really wanted to do. I asked many times that, hey, I want to do something else. I'll tell you right now, I always wanted to try gymnastics, <laughs> you know, but I never had that opportunity. Or I should say, I was told no. I had to stick with dance. And I was told that by my mother. And now, into that high school time, with dance, you're very compared from the, the dancer next to you. Body, technique, expression, everything. And also with that, my grades started to slip more. Now I'm being compared by my, from my mother. Well, your siblings were on the National Honor Society. Why can't you be there? What's wrong? Why can't you get your act together? And again, because that was chaos, I had to look. I had to look perfect. Mm -hmm. I had to come off that I was perfect. Well, long and short, now I'm diagnosed with anxiety. Panic attacks I started having at the age around 17. And it stemmed from my high school sweetheart 
breaking off with me, breaking it up with me. At that time, I just thought it was because here he was my first love, all this stuff. Okay, that's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So that happens, and now, you know, I go through a crazy amount of ups and downs of emotions, and, you know, I know now what it really was, and I'll get there. But I didn't understand why I was so sad and so emotional and feeling like, what is wrong with me? I was a teenager. I don't know. So what do I do? I, I start partying. I start trying to get rid of that pain. So, right. you know, and so on and so forth. So finally, um, now I'm going to go into my next 10-year bracket, you know, 20 to 28 I move across country to Boston. I moved there to be with my sister and her husband to be a nanny. Well, they had some um, some stuff that they had to take care of, and I didn't get to become a nanny right away. But I did be able to become a dance teacher. Now, my mother, before that, was the one that put my resume together, was basically the one that said, you're going to go, I'm going to email these this resume to all these dance studios in that area. She didn't ask me. She just assumed, I'm just going to do this. I did. That's all I knew. That's what I grew up as. That's what she always said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And so I get there and I start teaching. And my dance career does take off. Choreography and teaching. And I'm seeing you know, my stuff you know, win at these competitions. And when I saw one time win, I had to keep going. Because it, it was that perfectionism. It was that I have to I have to be good at this. I have to be because I can't let my mom down. I can't let, you know, these kids down. I can't let any of these people down. But really deep inside, I didn't want to do it. Hmm. I know I could say that now. I didn't want to do it. I love dance. It will always be in me. Sure. I am a creative person, but I just felt like there was just something that wasn't solely right. Like you weren't in control of it. Yeah. It was just something I just was used to. Something you were maybe just putting on to the yeah. wheel of juggle. Yeah. Yeah. Balance. That's the best way. Yeah. That was the best way to put it. And I now that I look back, I would always have these issues, meaning like there was always some type of animosity that happened between me and the director. Um, three studios now I have had bad blood with. And now I can look back and I'm like, well, it wasn't them. It wasn't, it was just me not knowing exactly what I wanted as a person in life. Because I was just always told what I was going to do. That was it. So I was told I was supposed to dance, so I'm going to go find a studio to teach at. When really it was, it was bigger than that. Now I'm in a relationship, great relationship. But that wasn't normal to me. I was with a, a very nice gentleman for four years, and because it was not normal, there was no chaos, there was no, like... What you knew. What I knew, what I grew up with, I had to mess it up. And what I mean by that, I, I had this weird thing, I talked about it with him, that I felt something was missing. And he said, well, go find it. And so I, unfortunately, I cheated on the man. I told him right away. After it happened, he mm -hmm. forgave me. But it was never the same. Never the same. And the person that I had did that with was actually one of his best friends. And I, again, I had to tell him because I know me. I am, it, 
it was my guilty conscience. I could not sure. keep moving forward with this man if I was going to be lying the whole time or listen that's powerful and people need to understand that just to say that you know yeah. what I mean just to openly say that it's yeah. so powerful it and was I, I mean that, like I do it was it was it was not easy absolutely but then for some reason I still was attached to this other person and he had moved across country and the way he treated women was not was not right and the reason why I know this is because we all lived together. We were all roommates. And we would make fun. We would laugh and joke. Oh, you need to have Polaroid pictures of all the women that you bring in. You know, just like, haha. But mm -hmm. really, why was I attracted to that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it was chaos. It was it drama. Did, it did. I'm getting deep now. Did it? it was a lot like your father. Yes. Yes. Because they say we tend to go towards women, like men. Yep. You tend to seek out women that are yep. a lot like your mother, and women mm -hmm. tend to seek out people that and are like their fathers. Good or bad, it doesn't. Good, exactly. And I'll be honest, like my father is on his fourth marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, and here, you know, so I'm seeing like this pattern. <clears throat> so I finally have the, the guts to break it off with DJ, and I was like, it's not going to happen. And so what do I find? A toxic relationship. And I already knew a little bit about this man from an acquaintance that I knew dated him. But you know what? I thought I was going to be the one to change him. He was comfort food. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it. I well, like that. Well, that came from Pastor Stephen Furtick. He talks like about that. comfort food. So I'll have to put you out of that. And then the people that are listening, go look that. Go to YouTube and yeah. look up uh, Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick. He does one called Comfort Food. That's a really, and what I he like says that. is he goes, what's your comfort food? What's your comfort relationship? Right. What's your comfort job? He goes, it doesn't matter. It's painful, but yet you go to it because yep. it's all you know it's and it feels you know. good. Yep. And so what he uses the reference, and again, I'm going to butcher it, um, but through the Bible and how the Israelites went to Egypt and they're like, oh, Egypt's great. And they were there for what was like 300 or 500 mm -hmm. years or something like that, mm -hmm. right? And when they first got there, they were given all the... The garlic and the leeks and the you know everything was great. They were this, but they were slaves. Yeah. By the Pharaoh, they were enslaved by the Pharaoh, and so when they finally left Egypt and they were on their way back, and they're going through the day ins and the day outs, and they had nothing, and they're eating manna over and over and over, and the rabble was like, "Oh, I'm like I'm tired of this of this manna, you know this this unknown this this newness quote unquote. Yeah. Like let's go back." And where we to... had garlic, and we had mm -hmm. the leeks, and we had all these things. It's like, hold on, wait, you want to go back? You were a slave. Mm -hmm. But that's so what they knew. it was comfortable. It was comfortable. So I'm in this next relationship. I mean, the whole works. We were engaged. He threw, like, a massive surprise engagement party. And I'm kind of jumping. We were together for four years as well. And within the first six months, I caught him. He was constantly between the cheating and... You know, back then, it's not even back then, even now, but the sexting and just like everything that when that first like really took place. Mm -hmm. But I kept forgiving him and forgiving him. And he would do, you know, he made me feel it was my fault. He was mentally, emotionally abusive. And like I couldn't do better. I was not good enough to do better. And I believe that. Finally, I just had it. I... It was almost like my whole life is crumbling. I lost my job at the studio I was with for nine years. I had to sell a house all by myself 
I went from full-time to part-time at another job because I was teaching more and stuff like that. Well, now I pretty much lost two jobs in one. And now I'm going to tell this man I can't be with you because I, I can't deal with the drama anymore and stuff. I say one good thing that that man did was he brought my dad back into my life. Mm. That was the one good thing. And my dad and I had a lot of ups and downs and didn't talk for quite a few years um, in my 20s. And so that one good deed I am grateful for. So finally I get everything sold and I move from New England to Colorado to build a relationship finally with my dad. Even though what happened when I was a child, there was something about him that was still also comforting my father. And I think it was because the abuse never happened to me. It was to my mother and it was to my siblings. Mm -hmm. So I guess I kind of held myself that, okay, he does love me. He had he a different does... relationship with you. You guys had a different relationship. Yeah. And I just, but I was, I just didn't get that chance to grow up with it. Mm -hmm. um, now I will say this going back when I, when I had to go visit him for court purposes, there was no yelling. There was, we would, we had a ranch and it was amazing. I was on my horse. I was four wheeling. I was hiking like, and it was beautiful. And I remember always crying when I have to go back home because that's where everything was chaos. Even as a teenager, my mom and I would always butt heads, always. And so finally, I'm in Colorado, and I get set up and by, for a blind date to this man that I tried to even to not go, because that's new. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. But we do decide to do it, and, you know, and he is my amazing husband to this day. And we have been married, it'll be going on eight years, but it has not been easy. And the reason why it has not been easy is because he is so good and amazing that that wasn't normal for me. Mm. And I kept having these emotions of up and ups and downs and I couldn't understand why. And he... Our life built, he, his line of work, he is an oil field man. That's one of his line, his things that he does. So he would constantly leave and come back, leave and come back. So finally, when I got to the bottom of all of this, and I'm kind of, you know, going a little long and short here, my entire life, I have been living the fear of abandonment. Because your father left you. Because my father left me. So he left, then go, let's go back to that middle age. My high school sweetheart left. Friendships, it could be friendships that I'm not friends with people with anymore. They left. Um, DJ was good. I caused that issue. That way it would be easier for him to leave. Nick, chaos, drama, abuse. Finally, I decided to leave because I just had to. It was getting sickening and everything. My husband, he didn't leave, but in my mind, he was abandoning me because we had children and I was building a life here on my own with her, with them and not with him. 
I remember just little things getting frustrated. Oh, we have to go to X, this place, this place, and this place. And he wouldn't know how to get there. And that would frustrate me. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how to get there? Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't here. I knew how to get there, but I was upset that he didn't know. And it was just that whole abandonment. It makes sense now that why the mistakes that I've ever made, the the decisions, the the drama, the emotions. The life that you I have living. lived the entire time. The entire time. Yeah. And wow. it goes back to those core beliefs. Like my parents never guided me, meaning they never talked to me about what to look for in a man, what to look for in friendship. I basically, I felt like I was thrown to the wolves to figure it out. And what I knew was what I saw growing up in that house back in California. And so I have literally lived my entire 38 years of abandonment. So rejection, which turns into rejection. Anytime I was rejected, then all of a sudden I'm having these roller coaster of emotions and not knowing and understanding why I am so sad. And then one day I could be happy and then the next day I could be sad again. Well, then it was all these people left me because I wasn't good enough. Your self-worth. Yep. You weren't worthy. And then with even with my mother, no, she didn't leave me. She was there, but she wasn't there. She was there to, she was there, but she was a very selfish person. I could say that now because mm-hmm. I could see it. She had me in dance. That way it keep me busy while she can go teach. She was a school teacher, then tutor, then be a hostess. She wanted to continue this lifestyle that my dad had given her. But in order to do that, she had to do all this, all these jobs, all these things. But I had to stay busy. She had to keep me, I guess you could say, out of her way. So she could do what she thought she had to do. Exactly. You know. But okay. I never was able to have a sit-down conversation with my mom. I never felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how you can see parents snuggling with their kids on the couch. I never did that. I, with my girls, absolutely. I want them to have that you could come to me anytime feel and notion and all this stuff. I never could come to my mom because I always felt like I was going to be judged on it. Or, you know, why would you ever do something like that? Your siblings wouldn't. I would be compared. So again, it goes down to I was never enough. And so all this entire 38 years, I have been living by the opinions of others. It's mm, deep. What they thought of me all the way until just a week ago. <laughs> and it, it, it blew my mind. And I'm like, that is not my truth. But I believed it so much. When what one person tells you in sixth grade or what your parents tell you when you grow up or your siblings or anybody, whatever it may be, their opinion of you does not define you. But when you're young... And you don't know better, yeah, you believe them. And then when it's a constant, when they keep reminding you of it, it just becomes your truth. Mm-hmm. And it feels so good knowing that, no, it's not my truth. That was their perception of me. Or that was their way of just like hushing me so they could do what they needed to do. And let's unpack that for a hot second. And that's just what I love right here is. 
is your truth. Like what you believe, the thoughts that you believe are the legs to the table that you put everything on. Mm-hmm. Right? Your belief is that tabletop. And once you believe something, good or bad, positive or negative, your body and your mind will do everything it can to affirm that belief in your reality. Yes. Right? It will. Does not matter what it is. So listen, as Michelle's saying, look, I watched this my my dad leave my mom and I felt abandoned. You might and correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like it was maybe it was your fault. Oh, absolutely. I and wasn't you good took enough. Blame for it. So yeah. you believed that that abandonment and you believed that it was your fault and yeah. you weren't worthy and this and that and all the chaos. So everything in your life from at that point when you made that belief, yep. when that thought, you put belief and energy behind, it became your reality for the next 20 plus years. Yeah. So everything you did, you found everything to affirm that. Yeah. The relationships and the jobs or the friendships. Mm-hmm. and So you design and we design our own reality and that's what we need to understand. But... In order to understand, we have to do exactly what Michelle's talking about. She's literally unpacking this suitcase and understanding, wow, this came from my childhood. For so long, I, I was trying to understand why, what was wrong with me. Why and, and am I so nothing. emotional? Why am I making these decisions when really I know deep down that's not my character mm-hmm. that was not my character and so you're conflicting I was very very conflicting very. And you feel like you're not yourself mm-hmm. and I lived a lot of my years like that and we were talking um, off the podcast about that like when your actions don't line up with the thoughts and your beliefs that's when your it the life gets hectic yes because you're walking around as this shell in this body but it's not you and you're uncomfortable. And yes. so then we wonder why everything else in our life becomes that way. It's because you got two conflicting forces opposing each other. Yes. You know, when your thoughts and your beliefs line up with your actions, I call that a flow state. Then that is the most amazing feeling. And so here you are unpacking everything in your past, but you didn't know that like a ball on a chain, you were carrying your past behind you right into your future. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Joe Dispenza, he goes, look, he goes, you mean to tell me I, your thoughts and beliefs are going to shape your reality. That's what they're going to do. And your thoughts and beliefs are so subconsciously rooted to your past. The things we do, the foods we eat, the way that we wake up and we go through this routine is so driven by our past that you can literally pick up your past and go dump it on whatever year it is in your future. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it's going to look like Mm -hmm. until go back and rewind to the beginning of the podcast and the talk. Unless we can genuinely accept our life and our past and the things that have happened, when we can observe them as an outsider looking in and be like, oh, okay. Then you can say, is that what you want? Right. Yes or no? Right. Because we have the power to change that because that is not us. And what made me finally change that, I guess you could say that vision of myself is... I'm reading this amazing book by Rachel Hollis. I know a lot of people know who she is. Um, Girl, Stop Apologizing. And I have it opened up. I actually... Um, this is the turning point, I guess you could say. this. These two pages that I read was finally like, I guess you could say the light bulb that came on for me. And 
long and short, it has become, and I have finally decided I am no longer going to be a victim of my life. Mm. I am going to be the creator of it. Mm. Let's go. I cannot live my life anymore by what other people perceive of me. That's, that's not a way to do things. I want to teach my girls that they can do whatever they put their heart and soul into and be true to themselves. And I just, the, how all of this came about, and I will be completely raw and honest, I checked myself in mm-hmm. to the hospital. It got so dark, this darkness over me. And it got to the point where I had thoughts of, why am I even living? Why, I'm never going to get over this. I don't know what's wrong. I just feel like I'm not worthy enough to be here. And I legitimately got terrified because my girls need me. My husband needs me. And I finally decided to check in. So I was at the hospital for eight days. I had no phone. It was out of my control. I had no touch with the outside world. I had one phone number that I needed, and that was to my husband. And that's all I needed. So when I was in this hospital, I finally had a a very different perception of what family is about. And it's not what I grew up with. Because I find I learned and realized my character does not want to grow up or have my kids grow up the same way I did. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to make it work. It's not going to be easy, meaning it does take work to do all this positive and all that. Because the days are going to go up and down. But I have now coping strategies. I know different tactics, how to handle those stressors when I when I can see those stressors. I know what my stressors are. I never did I never knew that before. It wasn't until I was at the hospital in group therapy, in one-on-one therapy, around these peers that are very similar to me that we were able to finally get to the bottom of things as to why we have been living the way we've been living. And again, mine was because I felt abandoned, rejected, I was not enough all due to what was said to me, what was shown to me, and what wasn't taught to me. And what you believed. And what I believed. And when I was in that, when I was in the hospital, I just, my family is what I want. It's just, it's, there's nothing more than having them. And I finally saw them for the first time because all these thoughts and negative self-talk all of a sudden just like lifted. I feel reborn Mm. because I don't have this darkness over me. I feel now like just sitting here looking and talking to you. I'm actually here looking and talking. And I feel it. At you. It's an indescribable thing. Yeah. I talked about it earlier. I was like. Where before it would just be like. You're not doing good. He's thinking negative things about you. You're not being perfect right now. No. That was then. That was what the opinions of others were telling me. And I was believing it. And how like filtered all that becomes. Meaning 
you, or, you know, we, we all do this. We sit there and we worry about what other people think of us, but it's funny because one, that's coming through our filter and our mm-hmm. life and our perceptions and mm-hmm. everything and our beliefs, our core, Let's beliefs. Keep our core beliefs. Yeah. And then you, even though it's not even true, I might be thinking as these words are coming out of my mouth through my filter to everything that I've been through in my life in these 30 years, I can say that now, right? right? <laughs> is coming out and then it's going through you and that's doing the same thing, going right. through all your filters, through your beliefs and through your life and through all these things and then it's coming back out. So there's always my truth. Your truth, and then the truth mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what is mind-blowing but amazing and freeing to grasp. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. And I love that you say, that. Like, you know what? Hey, you were living through a double lens. Yeah. What you thought people wanted you to do. What do they call it? Rose-colored glasses? Rose-colored glasses. And yeah. I had a conversation like that with my client. It was a huge breakthrough. And I just said, you know, she, I want to lose this weight. I want to lose this weight, blah, 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 blah. But I'm sitting there and like, I'm like, why? Why? Because you think that's what everybody else wants you to do? Right. It's about acceptance. You think, ha, huh, you hear that? You think yep. that's what other people want you to do. What do you want? Right. And as you're saying, so she, she's in the hospital, eight days, she checked herself in and she's unpacking this suitcase of her life and, you know, doing all these things. And it's, and what people need to know is that she didn't just wake up and boom, oh, yeah. wow, I had this amazing moment per se. No, no, no. It came down to people, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, were asking the right questions. Yes. And so the people around us, and it's not on them, asking the right questions can help us unpack that suitcase. But we ought to learn and get in tune with asking ourselves mm-hmm. the right questions. And I think a big question is, is this what I want? Is this who I want to be? Does this line up with who I am becoming? Right. Yes or no? And let that guide our emotions and our beliefs and our decisions and and our thoughts, but it takes effort and it's not easy. And I think also the the uh, big part of it too. I always kept saying I was exhausted, but I didn't really understand what that meant until now. Like I remember just saying, "I'm just so exhausted. I'm so exhausted." Well, I was exhausted of this constant fight of what who I was, what I wanted in life, and all these sayings and thoughts and opinions in my head it was a it, i was tired of fighting and i'm gonna flip to this book i'm reading uh the greatest secret which is by uh Rhonda R- Rhonda Byrne. amazing book and it's about awareness and if i don't find the quote it's right because i remember for the gist of what it said but it says look negativity costs more energy than being happy mm-hmm. because being happy and being blissful and, and being in peace is natural to our state. Right. That's our natural flow state. Hence why you feel light on your feet when you're happy and you're, you know, everything feels good. Like it's effortless because mm-hmm. it is, it costs more energy to be a person 
than it does or it costs no energy to be you. Right. And so when you tell me, you're like, oh, I was tired, I was tired. You were living through what you thought other people wanted you to be, which is not you. Yeah. I was pretty much, I felt like, I guess you could say, you know, take it how you want, but I felt like I was living a lie. Yeah. I wasn't. Those opposing forces. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't myself. And that's why I had to come off though so perfect. I had to be pleasing. I had to be all these things that all because I wanted to be accepted. You were trying to balance. I was trying to balance. I wasn't centered. I was never centered. And now with this darkness, literally, like I, I was saying, like this, it's like there, there's silence. And what I mean by there's silence, there's no talk in my head anymore. Like when I want to say something, it's literally coming from me, not from what someone told me to do or say. And I, that's why I said I feel reborn. I feel like this huge lift, this huge dark cloud that has been literally over my, over me, my last 38 years is finally gone and I could move forward in the direction that I want to take that I feel is right for me and if you don't if someone doesn't like it then that's okay I'm not doing it for them anymore I'm doing it for me mm. and I've never been able to say that and I love it it feels good I can feel it yeah I feel it it just isn't... It's like taking control of your yeah. life. That's, that's the most... Um, Again, it's not freeing. being a victim of your life. It's being the creator of it. Mm -hmm. And you're not their truth. No, absolutely we not. Are, we are not someone else's truth. No. That's nothing. I've always wanted to say yes so I could be a, you know, a pleaser. But you know what? No is a sentence. I love that. It's my favorite thing I learned when I was in the hospital. No... no. Is it's a, a sentence. sentence. You don't need anything else. No. And I can relate to that so bad because, like you said, I am always... And again, it's all stemmed from my past. Right. Like, I know why I've done the things I've done and, you know, thought the things I've thought. It's, you know, once you figure it out, can you then be whoever you want to be at right. any moment in your life? Right. And I was always a problem solver. Like, I wanted to solve the problems. And so when you want to solve people's problems all the time, you don't say no. You oh, say yes to everything. Right. And that's that's the tough part. And so I'm, the, I'm huge into the re, uh, reverse engineering your life. Like, who is it that you want to be? What do you want to do? Well, you have to... Take those habits and those actions and the, the way that person's going to think and embody that right now. Right. And so what I did was, is I was like, yo, like, okay, like, I want to be financially free. Like, I don't want to be stuck to having to depend on hours to make money. I want to have, you know, continue to grow this amazing relationship and, you know, and a family and this and that. And it's like, okay, so what are the habits of people that have that. And one of them was saying no. Like, say no. Say no. If it doesn't align with what it is you're trying to achieve, say no. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I love that you said that. So people will take that. No is a sentence. No is a sentence. No. N-O. Period. 
Might be an exclamation mark. How, how <laughs> much energy? You want to do it, no, right? I love that. No is a sentence. The other thing that I have finally allowing myself to do is is putting boundaries. I've never I never put boundaries up because again I wanted to be accepted. Yes, yeah. I wanted to say yes and be a people pleaser and and with being boundaries, another thing that I learned at the hospital and I I told you this yesterday is I am a rare gem. Not everyone deserves me and not everyone can afford me. Mm. Like when we heard that in group, there's this beautiful woman, Erica, who was there and she's the one that said that. And all of us literally just like <gasps> say that again. And we had her say it again. And it, it literally just like blew my mind because it's true. It's, it's kind of goes with that saying, I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. Yeah. But this is more I feel precise about you as an individual. Like, I am a rare gem. No, not everyone gets, deserves my attention, deserves my anything. And some people just can't afford it. Mm. And that's okay. Mm. Some people can't afford it. Right? Come on. You ain't ready for it. No. I know. I love that. And, and hold value to yourself. Everybody has got a whole value to yourself because that's all you have. Your energy, mm -hmm. right? Your mm -hmm. energy. We put off energy. This conversation's energy. Your actions are energy. Everything's energy. Yes. It takes it or you get it. Yes. Right? So when you go into a room, not only one, be the energy that you want to receive. Yeah. Right? But you got to know who are you going to give your energy to? Yeah. Who are you going to allow to take energy from you? Yeah. And it's okay to say no yeah. because you're taking energy from me. Yeah. And you can't afford it. Nope. It's, it's You can't afford this energy right now. Yeah. So see ya. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like we you were the whole conversation, right? You are in control. You are in the driver's seat. It feels you so good. You are the creator of this life exactly. that you want to live. And it feels so, so incredibly good to finally say that and actually now do something about it. Yep. You know, I have two, the two most important people that look up to me and they are the next, you know, they are the, our future mm -hmm. and I want them to know that they are a rare gem and their energy is what, if they want to express certain energy, then they're allowed to. If they don't want to receive certain energy that they're allowed to. I don't want them to have, you know, the same the same misconceptions, I guess, as you said, as I, as I did. I think that's huge and empowering. And to realize, and you might hear me say it a lot, is like you have greatness within you. Mm -hmm. And I believe I tell myself that. Mm -hmm. And it starts with that. Like this podcast is strength within. Right. Like we all are beyond powerful, you know, without measure. Like it's just, but you have to do what? You have to believe that. Yeah. That, that positive you are, talk. Yes, that you are a rare gem. Yep. And not that everyone deserves me. you are powerful. Me. Not everyone afford me. And you have to believe. You have to believe those. Like you get to choose what thoughts mm -hmm. you believe. And so why not? Right? Why not? And I, I can see this freeness of you. You know what I mean? Like this. It's like, ah. 
I've never, when people would ask, and then you and I had this conversation one time during our training, um, when people would ask you, oh, if they haven't seen you in a while, how are you? And, you know, it's so easy because we get Living stuck. Living the dream. Right? Living the dream. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. But now I, I, I get it. Like when, after the conversation and going through this process, this, this, this phase in my life that I could actually say I am good and it feels good saying it. Where before, like, I'd be, I'm good or I'm okay, I'm all right. And then it would be, well, then it'd, like a snowball effect of the negativeness as to I'm saying this, but I'm really not that. And that was just because of living a lie my entire life. And I could actually say I am good because I'm in charge. Yes, you are. And we all are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it comes down to is asking yourself the right questions. Yes. And your answer to those questions. Yes. You know, and I think telling and letting people know, like, you have to figure that out. And you have to be centered and come back to your core beliefs. Yes. Like, you have to come back to your core beliefs. Um, it really does come down to being centered, feeling centered, and able to adapt so much easier. Mm-hmm. You're able to adapt with with an, more openness. Yep. I like that. And before we forget, before we, as, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I need you to talk about this spiritual choreography. <laughs> Yes. And people need this this gem, and I need you to get <laughs> out there. Is this she said spiritual choreography? Now she's a dancer. That's where this is coming from. Yes. So if you know what choreography is, what? So well, before I really get into it, so again, that beautiful friend, Pierre Erica, who I met at the hospital, um, she was the one that said it, and the reason why she said it, there was this other person there that said, "Oh my gosh, it's so crazy that." By coincidence, we met, or you know, by chance. And Erica, like, literally tuned in. She says, Oh no, it's not by coincidence, it's by our spiritual choreography. Mm. And of course, like you said, dancer, I'm like, yep. Choreography, I know what that is. And so, it was just a just the verbiage of it spiritual choreography. So, let me break it down first spiritual, your higher power. Whether it's God, whether it's, you know, celestials, whatever you believe in, your faith, there's there's already a path made for you. And it's our journey that we're living every day. And we get to choose by the decisions that we make, by the things that we think of, all this stuff. So it's higher than us. It's bigger than us. And that's why, like, all of this that I have been living with, it wasn't, nothing was wrong with me. It was bigger than me. I just couldn't figure it out. And I finally, you know, chiseled at my own self and got to the bottom of it. And it was finally a relief. So it was higher. It's my spirit. It's the spirit of it. And then when it comes to choreography, think about it this way. So what is dance? Dance is story told through movement and emotion. Right? Well, isn't that life? We're moving. We're emotional creatures. The best thing about dance and with the choreography part of it, choreography is up, down, side, off balance, center, spinning. 
you think about that with life, when you're spinning, you're chaos. You're out of control. You're feeling out of control. When you're centered, you finally feel like you have a grasp of yourself and reality. When you're up, the highs in life, your peaks, you know, buying a house, starting a new job, all this, the downs, it could be anything. It could be grief. It could be, you know, financial problems. It could be any, anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just like dance. We, in dance, we show those things through movement and emotions. And, but it's, that's exactly what life is. It's all of that. It's everything that a person does in everyday life between movement and emotions. And that's why she said it's our spiritual choreography. It's the higher power is has already have this plan for us. And we're just now We're just dancing. We're dancing dance. through life. I love that. And it just it, 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 it like I said, it just that resonated with me when she explained it. And I'm just like that makes a lot of sense. And I love it too. It's just, it's a and beautiful I, thing. And I relate that, you know, when people go like this, this, things, this. I'm a believer, right? Like I, I believe in it. I think that God puts us in these positions. Like things just don't just happen. Like they happen for a reason. Yeah. And that's what Erica probably met, right? Yeah. Is the spiritual choreography. Yes. I was run. I was doing this dance and over time we just slowly were supposed to be here. Yeah. Supposed Absolutely. to have this conversation. You and I are supposed to have this conversation now. Yeah. You know the people that come into your life, like they're supposed to. Like things are showing us. You know, he's that's showing us these things. You know, um, um, and I call that like they, my interpretation. That's like the law of attraction. Yeah. Like you know, the people come into your life. They're supposed to come into your life. They right. leave your life because they're supposed to they're leave supposed your life. To. And it's things that happen that are supposed to happen. And. All, and, and a lot of that too comes down to the belief that you put behind it. Yes. Well, that goes kind of real quick. There's this, another person there. We were talking about how the pandemic heightened a lot of emotions or stressors and triggers. And I was feeling the same exact way until I was at the hospital. And I said, you know what that this pandemic okay. actually did for me? More tickets. More tickets. What? More tickets. Like what? Oh, you got more tickets on your game. High five. Nice job. Girl. Good job. Good job. Good for you. Awesome. Nice job. Very nice. Can you go finish and go win some more? And we're almost done. Because <laughs> um, I used to feel that same way about this pandemic. Just it heightened everything. And it did for to a certain point. But now when I was there and I brought this up in one of our group therapies, I said, but if that pandemic didn't happen, I probably would have been doing the same exact thing. It brought this mm. out of me that I finally got to the core of everything that I've been doing and living and believing. Because who knows what could happen if it didn't. I would have been doing the same thing. My husband would have still been gone a lot and I would have this subconscious, you know, my subconscious telling me he's, he's abandoning you, you know. I would never have gotten to the bottom of all of these stressors and triggers and emotions and mis and actions and everything if this didn't come about. Mm -hmm. You could look at it negative. Oh, it, it stopped this, 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 and this. But to me, I'm finding, fi I'm seeing a positive of it for myself. You know, it could be totally different for someone else. No doubt. But for myself, if it didn't happen, it didn't, if it didn't slow me down, 
I would have been doing the same crazy thing that I've been doing, believing the opinions, being trying to be perfect. I wouldn't have gotten down to the fact that, hey, it's bigger than you. Let's figure this out and let's move on. There was a key where you said slow down. Oh, yeah. In an earlier podcast, that's when I started the podcast, right? Was in the middle of the pandemic. And I believe that the pandemic, there's people out there that'll say, oh, well, this caused this. Like the pandemic did this. And now I'm like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever circumstance it may be. The pandemic and being locked down and COVID and all this other crap, like that just, you said it enhanced what you already were mm-hmm. it did it exposed <laughs> a lot of people yes and a lot of people look and you're listening like and it makes you uncomfortable well good now the ball's in your court right you know like the people and i'm just it's this is what's scary is like you know all these numbers are up right like depression and domestic violence and all this thing is like and don't take this the wrong way, but that just exposed people. Like, let's say that your husband was gone working all the time, and now he's working from home, and now he's beating on his wife. Like, he was always like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they exposed it. Mm-hmm. I don't wish that. I, I don't want that to sure. happen, but a lot of things, like, people are like, oh, man, all of a sudden now I'm getting a divorce. Well, yeah, because you realize something was going on in your marriage yeah. that you didn't want to address because we were masking it up with X, Y, and Z. Right. So I think it exposed a lot. And I know for me in personal experience, it slowed me way down. Absolutely. And it helped me uncover a lot of things in my past and exactly why we're having this conversation through spiritual choreography. Yeah. I mean, was it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was extremely uncomfortable. and But there comes a point, there comes a time in your life where you have to face the demons. Mm-hmm. You got to address your past. You have to. Good or bad. Yeah. And I, that, you know, that's 10 for me was, was the book, um, that I actually lent your husband. I hopefully he's almost done with it. I think, oh, he finished it. Hopefully he's going to get something different out of it than I did. But that book literally changed my life. Right. And it was, uh, uh, stop doing that shit. Yep. By, uh, Gary John Bishop, I think is the author's name. You guys can look that up, but yeah. And he literally is talking about exactly what we're talking about is unpacking your past Mm -hmm. because from then till now, we have ninety high ninety nine percent of the time are living our life subconsciously through our past. Yep. So how are we gonna become anything we want to become if we don't know what that is? Exactly. If we are unaware of our actions, of our thoughts, and how we're behaving, and so it and he prompts you questions in this book to really start to think. Remember, I was talking about it's asking the right questions, mm-hmm. and that book was one of the most uncomfortable books. <laughs> I have ever read like I literally would stop and put it down because I didn't I knew the answer but I didn't want to answer right. it because it's I wasn't ready yeah I'm like whoa real. whoa and then it was like wow that is why and when you have an answer for some things it'll make it make sense to you and that's what I've been feeling like since I I, I got out Sunday and it literally it from the first day when I checked myself in it was probably about day three that I was starting to see or feel lighter and starting to have a better understanding of what I've been living, how I've been living. And it's just so much clarity now because mm. I, I faced it. I got to the bottom of it, and it wasn't me. Like I said, it was bigger than me. I think it's huge that people know and we know. We, it, it, 
accept that like this doesn't just it's not an aha moment and goes away right it's gonna take work it's like working out yeah you can't get strong and then stop lifting weights and continue to be strong (laughs) no you can't address your past and understand the triggers and then not address the triggers and the the things that happen in your life going forth right like, That's why this boundaries is work. have to come in. This is work, and this is what I try to tell people. I'm like, I mean, I'm no perfect person. No, 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 yeah. no. I'm not claiming nope. that I have the answers for everything. I just want to share the things that I've gone through, and you know, like, people like yourself. Like, this is always my ultimate goal is to bring people on. But this is what has worked for me, and the things that I'm learning and I'm reading and I'm watching are all from people that are doing the same exact thing. So let's share the knowledge. Right. To become better versions of ourselves. Like, what's wrong with that? I'm an expert of myself. Yes. That was actually in one of our therapies. One of the questions was, what's the best advice someone gave you? And I actually, I used that one because that was what you have always told, always talked about. And that was my answer. I said, be the best version of yourself. Yes, today, like right now, be the best version of yourself. Be the energy you want to receive. Mm-hmm. in the world and so that's why i read and i do all these things like my mission in life is to continue to become yes and become what become a better version of myself mm-hmm. because when i'm operating at the highest frequency for myself not only does that make me into that flow state of happiness and bliss and i feel good and my confidence is up i know that radiates outside of me and that can only benefit not just me first but the people that are around me right can can I can I be uh, um, better in my relationship? You know, better better to the kids and better to my family and better in my business. And be- yes, but that has to start within myself. Correct. So it's and it, that's centered. Yeah. That's I me being feel... centered. I'm not balancing these things no. in my life. No, because it starts with my base. Yes. I'm not building on sand. My base is built on the solid foundation, and nothing's gonna mess with it. I feel most confident when I'm centered. Thousand. Because mm-hmm. then I could feel, I don't want to say I could take on the world or anything like that, but I feel I could just couldn't, like, be able to adapt better, be able to change things that need, if I need to, if I'm centered. And, I, and just in life, I've, just within, since being out, I feel confident in myself as a parent, myself as a wife, and then myself as a friend because I'm, I'm centered and yeah. I'm putting bound. I'm I'm establishing ba- boundaries finally that I've never done in my entire life, and it feels great. I'll go back to uh, you know, there's a lot of people in in conversation like, well, this just comes easy to you. And I'm like, Mm-mm. excuse my language, but bullshit. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Right. You don't know what I've you know gone through, and I don't expect you to. Yep. I got to deal with that. I got to answer those questions, but this is work and I choose to do it. Yep. Same. And it's ever tell you it comes easy. People work at it. Yeah. Just like exercise, just like this, just like that. Like you don't just, you're not just great at something. Sure. There's talent, but no, this is a choice and I work at it every day, all day mm-hmm. by being aware, be aware of your thoughts, be aware of what you believe in. Yep. Acknowledge your past. Yep. Accept. Genuinely accept your past. And I know that's what Hillary was saying yesterday. And, and what that really means to me is, look, hey, would you change the size of your feet? 
Would you change the color of your eyes? Are you okay with them? I am You definitely. accept. You genuinely yeah. accept them for what it is and you move on. Right. You don't sit there and go, oh, I wish my foot was a little bigger. Right. You just don't because you like, it is it's what just, it is. It is what you it is. You can look at it and exactly. go, that is what is. Yeah. My past, this happened, that is what is. It's What's next? It's not going to define me. Yep. What's and next? How can I move forward? Yep. I think that's amazing. Anything you want to add? Um, the last thing that I want to add is um, Kristen. She was one of the BHAs there. And I know going with this, not every day is going to be awesome. It's going to take work. And I'm willing to do the work, and I'm okay with that. But one thing that stuck with me, that resonated with me, is if day by day doesn't work, take a moment by moment. If that's still too much at that time, then take a minute by minute. Either way, keep working at it little by little a little larger than you know mm -hmm. just keep going love it because small steps yield big results mm -hmm. it's the little things it's the little habits it's not you know it's not the home runs yeah so get up that bat swing get on base yep you know that's that's those things i love that well thank you i appreciate that i, I really do was, we did over an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just normal conversation. I loved it. And so, I was so nervous. Yep. Because it's so, something new. People, your your core beliefs and yes. in, in, in being centered and not balanced because being balanced is stressful. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of us, and this might be tough to digest, but you got to dig into your past and, yeah. and figure out why you make the decisions or if you've made the decisions and really assess yourself, assess your life. Like, are you where you want to be? And if the answer is no, like, you can change that. You are in complete control through your thoughts and your beliefs. That's what dictates your reality. So I just highly suggest is, is, is taking control of your life right now. Right now because you are not the truth of what someone else is saying. You are your own truth and what you believe. All right? Love you guys. Positivo. He's a lifestyle. And I've been manifesting everything all right there. Positivity's a lifestyle And I've been manifesting everything I write down Cause I've been working on my draft till my craft is a rendition of my task Go oh, yeah, what a blast I'm living, you ain't even gotta ask Hit the dash, I'm living I be working on my draft